Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. On today's episode, I'm speaking with producer Judah. We talk about his work with rapper Wale, how he got to producing, his studio science lab, and other topics. So, how's it looking in Maryland? Man, it's looking lovely, man. You know, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Weather hasn't broken yet and got super cold, so it's a beautiful thing, you know? So, how'd you grow up, though? Um, I grew up in... Uh... You know, the metro area, you know, just like everybody moved from D.C. to Maryland to back to D.C. to Maryland when your parents get money. So my migration was kind of um, uh, from like D.C., Greenway, Minnesota Avenue, Bennett Road to Capitol Heights to Suitland. So, you know, kind of as, as we got older and got a little bit more money, we ventured further and further to P.G. County. Understood. Understood totally. Yeah, kind of that, that typical migration of parents who get a little bit of money and try to get their kids out of the out of the city. You know what I'm saying? Your studio, the science lab, right? Right. So how did it get started? Um, it got started back in I want to say like 1999, uh, somewhere around that time, where I had just got out of college and. Um, you know, I was trying to do my football thing and aspirations with music. I mean, aspirations with football. And that didn't quite pan out. Um, and then so I've always been into music. And uh, a guy that I had met named Mac, who was an artist and producer in a group called BWC. Um, he had a studio in Temple Hills on St. Bonaventure's Road. And so I used to go over there and just sit in there and soak up game and kick it every now and then. And so I did that. And um, that really put it in perspective of how I can own my own studio because they had their own studio. They were recording their own songs. He was selling beats. He was producing. And, you know, just them allowing me to come in and soak up game and chill kind of um, sparked the interest. And now I went to school and got a degree in business. So when I got an idea and I understand business and I understand the foundation of business, it just kind of clicked for me, you know? Understood, understood. Yeah, because our Temple Hills, all right, I'm actually from there. What's that called? Parts Unknown, you know? Right. A lot of people were trying to figure out, wait, where the hell's Temple Hills? I'm like, oh, God. So I'll just <laughs> say, like, you know, I'll just say, ah, border southeast, <laughs> you know? Right, right. And so I, my studio was on uh, St. Barnabas Road by Beach Road on the corner of St. Barnabas and Beach by the Pet Boys. I know exactly where that is. I know exactly where that is. Yeah, so that was kind of my, my first studio. And it's funny because I was at my man Max studio one day, the guy that I was telling you about, and then um the owner of the of the building he said man i always see you up here what you do i said well you know i just come see mac i, I come and hang out in a studio and i like the studio and i'm thinking about getting my own studio one day and he said well i got a room for rent if you want it it's a small one and you know you can give me you know 75 bucks next month or 100 bucks i can't remember what it was but he said if you want it you can have it and you know i just want it occupied and that's how i got my first studio that's pretty dope. Wait, is that the one I was uh, did a session at? Nah, you at the second science lab. You never came to the first science lab. Oh, okay. All right. Hmm. All right, because I was thinking about, you know, okay, so, you know, engineering production-wise, who are your biggest influences and what you learn from them? Um, 
See, that's funny because I grew up on your, your typicals like Dr. Dre, RZA, um, um, Pete Rock, Primo. So I kind of grew up on on them, um, all the way going back to like Marley Marl. Um, some of your, your your staples, you know what I'm saying. But also being from DC, you come across Go Go, and those guys are producers too, musicians as well as producers. So like Chuck Brown. Um, all the way up to like Chucky Thompson, Rich Harrison, to um, a lot of the go-go musicians. Like they're all musicians too, or producers in a, in a sense too. You know what I mean? So you know, I got too many to name. It was never one that I was like, "Oh my God, this is the god of hip hop." Like I never was that guy. I just always liked everybody for what they did. You know? Yeah, I feel you. Hmm. All right, so. I'm trying to figure out, so how has COVID-19 affected you as a producer or a studio owner? Mm, um, that's a good question, bro. Um, well, I, to be very honest with you, as producers, and you may can relate to this, um, you know, like being quarantined and being isolated by yourself isn't really anything new when you're a producer or an engineer or something, you know what I mean? Not at all. Because, you know, you you sit sometimes for days on end, like figuring out sounds and making beats and doing stuff. And so, you know, it's nothing um, new for us. Um, one thing that it had me do is it really just had me um, kind of organize a little bit better. Um, also, just take time out and do some other things, you know what I'm saying? And really be stationary and be able to do everything that I need to do in one spot. So I don't go to the gym anymore. I got a gym in, in the house now. Um, you know, I can do everything, mix and master my family. Like, so I just got everything in one spot. So at the end of the day, like, you know, it just kind of limit my movement, but I've always, this is nothing to me. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. No, I mean, like, I'm now trying to figure out like how are like a lot of I'm trying to figure out how engineers will work with clients and stuff like there because in a studio session it can be really one on one and stuff. Right, my studio never really slowed down. I've been fortunate enough. I had probably about when it first started. I had probably about two or three weeks or where you know I kind of shut things down. But once we start understanding more and start learning more. And I was I was open back up, but people were still sending me songs that they recorded at home to mix and master. People were still sending me stems to do additional production on, um, cause, you know. So they were still emailing me stuff, and I still was working. I still was mixing stuff, and um, I was teaching people how to record at home so they could keep recording and sending me stuff, you know. So it never really st- slowed down for me. You know, it's actually probably one of my busiest times as a mixing engineer, because I was just mixing project after project, song after song, um, doing sessions. So it really didn't slow down after about a week, after about uh, three or four weeks. I remember like a few of your projects over the years, you know, I remember the one song you put up called Sundress and Sandals. How'd that come about? Mm, That was a record where I I, I made it, I wrote it, produced it, um, did everything, and I kind of Shopped it around to some artists like Snoop Dogg to like Tabby, Bonet, Lupe, B.O.B. 
and it was really for one of them. And some of them laid verses to it, and some of them um, said, nah, it's not really my thing. And then I was like, yo, this is just a dope-ass record. I'm going to do it myself. And I'm not a rapper. I'm not any of that. But I just said, I'm going to do it. It's a dope song, and I couldn't let the song go to waste. You know what I mean? And then so I started reaching out to my contacts and getting into my different contacts, and then next thing you know, it was on the radio. It was kind of big in Europe too, right? Yeah, big in Europe, big locally for me as a nobody rapper, you know what I'm saying? Because I remember like, because one thing, it was kind of funny because a while back, I've always kind of felt like, all right, going back to the days of hip hop, the DJ was the most important guy in in hip hop, right? The mm-hmm. MC was secondary, the rapper was secondary until the labels came and they got the, and they basically split them up, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, I always kind of felt like, if there was a way to kind of really show off the producer, B-maker, what do you want to call it now, right? And because I know you put a lot of instrumental albums out, you know, one being Please Understand She Saved You. So what was the story behind that? Um, that was a project that this label reached out to me called Universal Indie, which was a subsidiary of Universal. Um, they reached out to me to do a project and... Um, you know, they wanted to do an instrumental album and I was like, all right, cool, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm down. I had beats. I was ready. And that came off the success after I put out the Amber Rose instrumentals because the Amber Rose instrumentals did extremely well for me. You know what I'm saying? Like the Amber Rose instrumentals like was big for me. And so after the success of that, this record label company reached out to me to do the project and that was kind of a a concept that I had. Everybody liked it and we rolled with it and you know, released it. Hmm. Cool. So, what was like the creative process behind there? You know, behind, uh, please understand she saved you. What was like the creative process? Where you trying to go with there? I mean, it was really based on like women, um, men. We are suckers for women, um, and vice versa. But we have to understand that women saved us. Women gave birth to us. They saved us. You know what I'm saying? Because we couldn't have been the ones that made it. It could have been another one that made it. But we the ones that made it. You know, the sperm that made it. And also women save save us men from our egos. They save us from, you know, being stubborn. They save us from being boneheaded. You know, they just save us all the way around. You know what I'm saying? And, and so it was kind of an old to them. It was kind of um, a, a slick way of... Uh, playing off the word pussy and making it an acronym. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I totally figured that out because I was trying to figure out, like, okay, <laughs> I see where he's going with this, and I'm like, how is he going to pull this off? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it was one of those things, man, one of those things um, where it was just trying to be creative, trying to put people, you know, make a little bit conscious, a little effort to really think about what, what I was doing. You know what I mean? What was it like working with Wale? Oh, it was cool, man. It was cool. It was uh, um, it was interesting. You know, you know, it was a good time. It was an interesting time. I've always um, prided myself on uh, working with artists when they're unknown. I really like that because then when the industry get a hold of them, it's a whole nother conversation. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Um, but you know, it was a good time. One of the dopest artists from this area, from one of the dopest artists that I've ever been around and I was, I had a privilege of producing. 
Um, you know, it's funny because I tell the people the stories that, you know, during that time, Wally didn't even know how to count bars. And he always used to be, Judah, count my bars for me. Can you count my bars for me? And that's just amazing because that's when, you know, I met him in his purest form. I met him at his, um, you know, adolescence to young man time, young man to young adult from nobody to a superstar. So that's always, um, you know, dope to me because um, I like those moments. I don't really like the superstar moments. You know what I mean? Totally. I didn't realize you went that far back, though. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, you're talking about 2006, 2005, 2006. Well, shit. Because, like, you're talking Arm about he was still working in, like, a shoe store. Okay, that's true, because I know this guy that was really good buzz with a dude that worked at the same shoe store with him, right? And he would be, like, you know, rapping, doing freestyles sometimes at the store. Yeah, he, I've known him. You know, he didn't, you know, back when he he used to hand out mixtapes to people in the streets. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize it went that deep. Damn, that just kind of blew my mind. It's a total revelation here. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we go back, man, and we go back to a time. And, and what's funny, too, is, you know, at that time that I met him, I already had a studio going for like five, six years. I was already popping. I was already, you know, doing mixtapes for artists. And that's how I met him is people told him about me and he called me. You know what I'm saying? Not surprised because every artist out of the DMV, they always, I've always asked, like, you know, what's the best producer you've worked with? They always mention you. Really? Yes, like, are you familiar with an artist named Gina Rose? Yeah, that sounds familiar. I said, I can say in the interview, even though it's not out yet, what I did mention was, all right, name me a producer out of the area that you've either worked with or would love to work with, and the first name was Judah. Really? First one that popped up. You know, yeah. I'm like, That's sweet, awesome, you know. Man. That's awesome, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? So, okay, cause yeah, cause I've always wanted to kind of hang out with Wally, maybe talk about old wrestling shit, actually, cause I know he's getting back into it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, so all right, the thing about it is, um, Gina Rose and over arm on the R and B side, and I was wondering what genres do you work with mostly, though? I mean, I work on any and everything. If it if it's um, interesting to me, and I like it. And it makes me happy and it gives me that fulfilling feeling inside of that. Okay, I can do something different. I'll do it. Like over in Europe, I do like Italian disco. I do all types of music. You know what I'm saying? Not just hip hop, rap, R&B, instrumental, atmospheric, ambient music. Like I do whatever. If it's something that's new and fresh and pushing me, I'm going to do it. So I, I can do anything I want to. I can do anything that I'm, you know, serviced or paid to do. You know what I mean? That's cool. So what's your creative process? Um, I mean, as of late, the creative process has been more um, like I don't make beats anymore. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Okay, really... hence the name IG. You just used to make beats. Okay, now as of, as of right now, I don't really make beats every day. I don't really have a time like that. 
You know what I'm saying? I make beats when I'm working specifically with someone or on something. You know what I mean? I just don't sit around and make beats anymore. And so um, I want to get back into that because I look at producers like Knots and Ski Beats and they making 10 beats a day and you know what I'm saying? But I don't really have that time. I'm doing so many other things. And also, too, I don't really work like that. I, I used to work like that in my 20s where I could sit in the studio all day on my Sonic EPS or something like that. And I could really just sit there all day and eat junk food and make beats. You know what I'm saying? But But now it's a little different. You know, I really got to be inspired. Um, I really have to be working towards something. I really have to have a, a vision or a mission. You know what I'm saying? Totally. So, all right. I remember you ever, it is really cool. I hate the word eclectic because it's used so fucking much. Um, <laughs> it just got burned the fuck out because when people say eclectic, it just means this wafty neo soul shit, actually. That's not that deeper. It's just unique. It's just something you never heard of because they're filming music. Anyway, it just hits my ear wrong. But that being said, what is the most unusual sample you've used? Mm. Unusual sample. That's a good question, bro. Like, I don't sample so much shit over the times. Like, I can't even remember, like, Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory. Um, I don't... Um, I don't sample... Like, uh, you remember, like, Circuit City, places like that? I used to go to Circuit City and get, like, the little CDs with, like, easy listening music on it or, like, compilation music with all types of, like, songs. I I just sample so much stuff, but I I can't really say what's the weirdest, honestly, man. I done sampled so much music and got so many records. Like it's just I couldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, because I remember you had the soundtrack to this movie um, with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson there. You know, mm. and I'll never forget you pulled the vinyl out, and I was like, because I knew about the movie, but I never thought about the vinyl being on soundtrack. Hey, bro, that vinyl is fire too. It's so so. Did you know that? It is because that was the first time I heard like Barbara Streisand really. You know, it was weird because I never heard like Barbara Streisand be that soulful though. I was like, this is something I didn't expect, you know? But that shit's so soulful. It's so soulful, man. And I try to tell people like, even the cover, it got passion and soul on it. Like, it's just, yes. this album is like so soulful. And like, I try to tell people like, well, you can sample anything. You any record? I'll get it and listen to it or give it, get get it, sample it and give it to somebody else. But the shit was just so soulful. What do you usually use gear wise? Um, now I mean I'm still on the MPC. I still use the MPC. Um, I don't use the uh, the 2000 anymore. I use like the MPC Touch. You know what I'm saying? The stuff that you use with the computer. Um. But yeah, that's what I'm still on the Akai MPC, you know what I mean? And in the computer, I'm working on computers, you know what I mean? Understood. Because there's this one song by this band called Pentagram, right? And the song's called Beef Warren, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I just fucking love that track, but I can never figure out how to sample it, you know? Right. Because right. it's kind of like, like, has there been like, um, cause it's like, it's like in 12, eight or six, four, maybe six, eight or something like that. Right. Easily kind of a shuffle to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered, has there ever been a sample that you really want to utilize, but can never figure out how to utilize it though? I'm sure then it'll be a time where I'll try to do it. See, the one thing about sampling and the one thing about sampling live bands is the shit is never the true time. Like, it's never the the, the right timing all the way through. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because they'll play at 87 and it'll dip to 85.9 and then go back to uh, 90 you know what i'm saying like it's very never true a, a true metronome beat it's always changing so um i mean that's why i kind of stayed away from live stuff or if it was live stuff it was studio live stuff where they had a metronome you can tell like the shit was produced produced like in a studio where it wasn't a live album you know what i mean yeah, yeah, you know, they were playing live or they tracked it, you know, did track by track and whatnot. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. you know, speaking of which, I can't remember. You work with James Poet, though, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, what was that session like, actually? Damn, how you know James Poet? I think I played guitar in that track he was working on. <laughs> He's in Future Band, right? Yeah. I think I was on that session. Yeah, it was cool, man. Like, I thought he's one of the, he's a dope-ass writer. Dope-ass writer, dope-ass, like, artist. Um, I haven't talked to him in a minute. It's been a while since we uh, was in the studio. But he's a dope, like, just dope creator. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, you know, in music, one thing I learned years ago is that sometimes you just, you cross paths with people, you work, and then that's all it was supposed to be. It's not like, oh, y'all supposed to put out a million records and, you know, you're supposed to travel the world together. Sometimes it don't work like that. You just create, see where it can go, and then you move on. You know what I mean? Oh, completely. And, um, all right. It was kind of funny. You know, I was thinking about... um. All right, I was thinking about your latest project, Iverson Mall. So, what was the story behind that? Um, I had a, I, I had, st- I recorded that, recorded some of that stuff years ago. And what happened was one of the guys that I recorded since he was a teen, um, he got murdered, right? Oh. Um, he was from the Hillcrest Heights, Marlow Heights area. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, and um, you know, and they used to come to my studio back when it was on St. Barnabas Road. So that, that's kind of where I, I started, right? Around the corner from Iverson Mall. And I remember like going to get snickerdoodles and incense and coming back to the studio and working and you know, just a lot of memories at that mall when I was a kid. Um, a lot of the artists uh from the area used to come in. But it was just always a staple and a part of my memory. And that artist that got murdered, I remember probably one of my last times at Iris Mall, I went to get some incense and some oils and shit and some snickerdoodles. And I saw him in that mall. And we've always been cool and always had a good relationship. 
And that was kind of, it was just the old to the area, old to the mall, old to, you know, the, the DMV sound and just lingo. It was just, you know, and then nobody ever done that title before. You feel me? Oh, totally, you know. Because I'm actually, I literally grew up like around there, like maybe a couple of blocks down from there, actually. Right. right. You know, so I was like, oh, shit, I was in mall. Yeah, man. Damn, it was another question I kind of sparked up because I didn't write it down, but it was something because you mentioned that, right? Damn, there's something else that slipped my mind. All right. So is there anybody that you've worked with lately that kind of has that spark? It's almost like, yo, this motherfucker's onto something. As of late. There's a guy named Sean. Uh, Sean. Um... I really like him. He's a like a gospel inspirational artist. He has one of the most unique voices, one of the dopest voices I've heard in a long time. His name is Shine. Um, Shine on me, that's his name. Um, okay. As a matter of fact, I'm a linky with him too. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, okay. he does a lot of live stuff, and uh, so I'm a linky out too. But Shine, um, there's an artist called Reese Delillis who's pretty dope. He's from Glen Arden. He's pretty dope. Um, um, there's an artist named El Hassan. He's pretty dope that come through. I mean, there's so many artists that come through the studio when I'm home and like they come record E-Class, who's doing some real dope stuff um, on the trap side and like the hip hop side. And he's kind of like just buzzing and working and not and hustling, hustling. Um, just a lot of different artists, man. So many dope artists. So many dope artists come from out of town to come record with me. You know what I'm saying? From California, from Florida, Philly. Um, just a lot of dope people come hard at me. Hmm. That's actually pretty awesome, you know? So, you know, do you feel that, you know, social media has actually helped you out as an artist to get out there too? Because your tweets, I really enjoy your tweets actually, you know? I remember you on, I remember you on Vine for a second too. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you say kind of help them in the long run or what? Yeah, I mean, I, I I use social media for what it is. I really don't take it too serious. I don't really take myself that serious in most cases, you know what I'm saying? Because, I, you know, even though I come off serious, I don't really take a lot of things serious because at the end of the day, social media is just for fun. You speak your mind, you speak your piece, your idea, and you move on. And so, you know, I'm a, I really like Twitter. I just started Instagram a couple months ago during the pandemic. Um, and, I, and I only started it so I can look at the versus battles, you know what I'm saying? And then um, I just kind of got wrapped up into it. But um, I really like social media. Man. It's just another way for me to um, promote stuff and do stuff and then also just big people up, speak my piece, say some things tweet some links and you know at the end of the day i think i kind of think i I think from like a producer's aspect um i don't really get on my soapbox a lot i don't really engage in like the dmv talk a lot you know like i'm kind of past that i'm past that conversation you know what i'm saying um and i just use it for what it is man connect with people it's a really dope dope thing but i don't really put my stock in it I feel you. You know, it's kind of funny. Would you speaking of DMV? Would you say there's like a okay? 
technically it's not go-go, but would you say there's like a DMV sound like, you know, this producer's from the DMV or DC area. And it's not technically rooted in a go-go sound, but it's something else. Like whether it's the choice of, you know, synth sounds or something about it, you just kind of tell. Right. Well, well, I mean, back in the day, the DC sound was a real dark, kind of like a rap a lot ghetto boys type sound, instrumental sound, like broom, 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 like it was real, like soulful, funk, hard hitting, but all original. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a hip hop sound. It wasn't a boom bap sound. It was like a real musician led sound. And that was the last time that we had our own sound. You know what I'm saying? Now it's all trap and it's like something like Atlanta, right? But um, that was probably one of the last times we had our own sound is when we had that original, like, kind of, like, Ghetto Boy, ghetto boy like, um, Scarface is like God here, if you don't know. Yeah. I'm and trying so to figure out how to that's happen. That, that's that sound, you know what I'm saying? That's that That's that DC sound. It kind of stemmed from what, what Ghetto Boys and Rap-A-Lot was doing in the Houston sound. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Totally. Like, I noticed there like three rappers from outside of the area that were like really popping off here. The ones I noticed at least were like Project Pat, Scarface, of course, and like Devin the Dude for some reason. I don't know why. Because it's all Devin the Dude was a rap a lot artist, I think. Yeah, Devin the Dude had that same sound, had that boom, 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 boom. It had that that guitar bop to it that had that just that country soul blue sound and that was the original if I had one sound that would be that that DC sound you know what I'm saying section 8 mob um, capital city uh, uh, what's that chocolate city records like that's the original DC sound when we had our own sound so okay so tell us more about your solar power studio though I had an idea, woke up one day, put the idea on paper, and then I was just like, you know what, I'm about to build this shit, and just started building this shit, you know what I'm saying? Um, I just wanted another outlet, another room, another vibe, another place to kind of sequester away and just work and... You know, as creatives, you need to change your environment. You know what I'm saying? So I had the land, um, had the idea, um, and just put it together. You know what I'm saying? Put it together. It took me about a week to put the structure up, and it took me about another week and a half to get all the, you know, the different things on the outside, the siding and the door and, you know, little bells and whistles here and there. But it didn't take me long at all. But, you know, I just wanted another place where, I can create, I also can Airbnb it out, also can invite, you know, invite only people to come and work. Um, that's the vision. It ain't done yet, but that's the vision, overall vision of it, you know? I feel you. Because I was thinking too, because speaking of DC hip hop, actually, I was thinking about like the two rappers that pop out of my head, actually, or like, and this one dude, I don't, because I keep on, it's never this weird thing where I don't really hear much about him because it gets lost in shuffle. Do you need DC Scorpio? You know anything about him? Yeah, DC Scorpio. I don't know exactly what you're talking about. 
Exactly, because like somebody said, he wasn't really a rapper. He was just part of a bunch of go-go bands. Once they know he's a legit rapper. Yeah, he was a lead talker, but he could rap. He can, you know, command a crowd. He... Okay, that makes more sense now. The MC. All right, second one I think was Head Rock. Yeah, MC. He was um. He was he was he was the real deal. Him, Fat Rodney. You know, a lot of those guys like they were. Before rappers were rappers here. What are three albums, three productions that would define your sound? I definitely would say listen to the Amber Rose instrumentals, um, Sundresses and Sandals, and um, probably uh, Saints Row video game. I got a record on there with Wale that, that's pretty dope. So those kind of like kinda my three vibes, you know what I mean? And three kind of areas and i mean it's it's a lot of music man but music is music man like i said i can't really tell you one thing i don't really also too bro like what me when i say music ain't that serious it's not that serious meaning like i make it i create it i release it and then i move on you feel what i'm saying i'm not, I'm not one of those ones to be like oh this is the one that is the epitome of my sound of the like I just make what I want to make, make what I make, and find a way to put it together as a song, release it, and move on. You feel me? That's fair. You know. Cool. So, you know, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to say or like up uh, say tell people to check out anything? No, man, just chilling, man. Check out on uh check out the the find me on Twitter, Judah on the beats, and then uh Instagram, Judah used to make beats. Um, I got some more music coming out here soon. Your know, instrumental albums, records. We're mixing so much, so many projects, and um, working with so many different artists. And once again, like I say, it's create and release. You know, we're not really, um, you know, trying to get all into the the theory and meta and the metaphysical application of music. And then, like, are we just creating and releasing music, having fun? keeping it moving and doing projects that we love you know what i'm saying totally yeah hey that was judah great chatting with him look out for him on twitter at judah on the beats and on instagram at judah used to make beats don't forget to share the show until next time take it easy